Well, welcome at the beginning of this uh, Thanksgiving week that we're about to go into. Everybody feeling good? Feeling good? All right. Amen. Amen. Well, we're, just last week we finished a series working through 2 Timothy, and now we're starting uh, just a, a two-part series just today, today and next Sunday where we're talking about, you can see on the front of your bulletin there, this idea of a two-sided coin. And I made that observation this week with a coin, is that it, they all do have, in fact, how many sides? Two. There you go. You, you might say, Captain Obvious, great job. You've come to that conclusion. But the, the reason I, I point that out, the reason I point out the two-sided coin is because I believe it's very important as we're racing into this holiday season where there's a lot of requests and a lot of pleas. I was even looking at our announcements this morning. Listen to the announcements that we had. Awana filling the food pantry for Thanksgiving, Operation Embrace, Winter Supplies, Buying Christmas Gifts. Uh, for kids through Angel Tree, running to support, I empathize. There's a lot of things that are pulling for our attention and for our generosity. But I want to propose today that if there's not a, a, a something compelling that, if there's, not, if there's not a gratefulness, if there's not gratitude that's compelling that, then it can just turn to just kind of bitterness and, and, and just kind of an unhealthy thing. So my hope and prayer for us as a church and as a congregation is that as we race into this holiday where there's all those different asks and pleas, that it's compelled out of a grateful heart. That's my hope, is that we see that as a two-sided coin. As our, as our grateful meter goes up, so does our, our generous meter. So we're going to see in our couple texts here this morning that that's the way that God designed it. He created this cause and effect relationship between the two. But even we're going to see more than that. We're going to see that as we then respond to our grad in our uh, from our gratitude with, uh, with generosity, that then God responds appropriately with his own generosity. And so it's kind of a fun partnership that we're going to see here in our text this morning. Let me start with a word of prayer, though, before we dive in. God, we thank you for this chance to be together and even the gift of being able to worship together this morning. And, and as Chad was, uh, was talking about the idea of, of releasing anxiety before you is a potentially even a stressful week for some, God. I just pray that you'd meet us here in this place, that you'd speak to us, that you'd allow the, the words of uh, Scripture to come to life in, in our minds, in our hearts. I thank you that even as John mentioned that the, our kids uh, are, are having that happen even in these moments, God. We just invite you to be present here, to be speaking, to be working. And uh, God, we just commit this time into your hand. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, well, this idea, we're going to start by talking about this first side of the coin, this idea of being grateful, this idea of being grateful, because I think that's a, a good place to start since that's the relationship that we're discussing. And next week, as John mentioned, we're going to have a special service that the whole thing's dedica dedicated to talking about uh, grateful things, the things that we're grateful for. So if you can be thinking in advance of stories that maybe we'll have an open mic, stories that maybe you want to celebrate or point to the rest of the church. That'll be next Sunday uh, morning. But the first observation that I want to make about gratefulness is this, is that we're grateful when exposed to his greatness. We're grateful when we're exposed to his greatness. As you grow in your knowledge and understanding of God, you can't help but be grateful. A leading indicator I've heard before of one's spiritual life, a leading indicator is the degree of gratefulness that we have. 
The world around us has a tendency to miss out on this whole gratefulness. In fact, we're pretty quick as a culture, as a country, to blame God when things go really poorly, but pretty slow to celebrate him when things are going well, right? We're, we're real quick when there's a, uh, a tragedy or a disaster to be like, how could God do this? But when God's abundantly kind to us, we're very slow to, to come to the conclusion that it's from God as well. This truth that we see, we see this truth in Romans 1.21 when he talks about the world missing out on this point. It says, for all they, referring to the world, knew God, so they knew him. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Thankfulness is the expected response to knowing God. As we're exposed to more and more of his character, more of his attributes, and more of his greatness, when we're exposed to that, there should be an overwhelming just gratitude. I don't know where you're at with that grateful meter right now in your own life. My wife and I, when we first got married, we had the opportunity uh, to go visit her family up in Canada. I call her Canadian. And, uh, and so in, in uh, our, our experience, we ended up going to the Rocky Mountains in Canada to some of the, the, the national parks up there. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to do that, but it is breathtaking. Went to, went to uh, first we went to uh, Jasper, or how's it go progression-wise? What's the first one? Jasper, Banff, and then the, one of our, our stops uh, was at a place called Lake Louise. And you can see a picture there of that lake. And I, I remember seeing it for the very first di- time, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? Is the water really that color? Did somebody add some like food coloring? Like, like what, how does that even work? How is it possible that it actually looks that crystal clear and beautiful blue? I remember just being enamored by God's greatness, enamored. There's something about that, just seeing the, the combination of the massive mountains and the beautiful water where you're just like, man, and this God that created that actually cares about me? is concerned about my life, wants to have a relationship with me. Are you, my question this morning, are you enamored by God's greatness? Or my question also is, when was the last time you have been enamored by God's greatness? Maybe we need a chance even in this next week to, to pull away and have a chance to be refreshed by an encounter with God. Just thinking about some just practical ways to do that. I, I don't know if you've had a chance recently to just go for a walk by the ocean. Just seeing we had uh, some family pictures taken last week that uh, down by the shore. And there's something about just seeing the, the, the majesty of God's creation through the ocean and the waves coming in and the consistency of that. It's a, a wonderful way to encounter God. Or how about, how about this? How about, how about another way to encounter God even going into this week is, is finding some snuggle time with a baby. Preferably somebody's ba- somebody that you know. That would be great. <laughs> But, but some snuggle time with a baby, there's something about that, that new life. And I, I see my young, youngest daughter right here snuggling in the front. She has a little fever, so she's sitting in the service here today. Uh, but this idea of taking a, a baby in your arms, and I've noticed about women with this is they, they like to sniff babies. I don't know really what that's all about, but I think that's, uh, my, my wife's always like, oh, I just want to sniff them or I want to eat them up. What is that about? And uh <laughs> And, and, and so, but this idea of seeing God's greatness through his creation, through a, a new life, a newborn baby, what a beautiful thing. It's a way to be exposed to his greatness. So maybe you need some snuggle time with a baby, maybe a drive through the canyons. I'll tell you, we're so close to so many beautiful things. 
I'll walk through I'll walk through a local zoo. I'll tell you what, seeing some of the creative animals uh, that God has made is unbelievable ways to just witness in creation God's greatness. God's greatness. How about sitting in a, our, our children's choir, their, their Christmas practices right after this service, coming in and seeing those kings, kids worshiping. It's real similar to the zoo experience, um, but, but real, real, it's just refreshing to see God's glory and his greatness in children. So some just ideas for maybe your grateful meter going up when you're exposed to his greatness. Although, however, as compelling as creation is of seeing God's greatness, it's nothing in comparison to the, and this is the next point that I want to point out, is grateful when we grasp his grace. Grateful when we grasp his grace. When we start to understand what God has done on our behalf, it's staggering to our mind. I love the definition of gratitude in the Oxford Dictionary is this, the definition of gratitude is to show that a kindness received is valued. Again, to show that a kindness received is valued. Do we, do we value the kindness that was received to us? Do we value that? Psalms 107, the, the psalmist repeats four times in the same chapter. He says, Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Oh, that man would give thanks. It's almost like a, a plea that our eyes would be open and see God's kindness to us. The reality is, apart from Christ, we were trapped in our sins. We were literally trapped with no hope of getting out. There's no way that we could solve our sin issue. There's nothing that we could strive for or pursue. No way to break out of that, that condition that we're in. And the amazing thing is, is that God chose to intervene. And so for us, the, uh, I don't know if you're like, like me, I, I hate the feeling of being trapped. Anybody else have that like kind of fear like uh, of being trapped? I had, a, I had a, just a, about a year and a, well, just a year and a couple months ago, I, I tore my bicep muscle, which is not, not a fun thing, where it was the one where it like rolls up in a ball on the top and, uh, and they had to pull it back and reattach it to the bone. Anybody else grossed out? And, uh, and so what the doctor said to me after the, the injury, he said to me, He's like, you know, you, we don't have to do this, but it'd really be helpful for the surgery if you go in and you have an MRI done. And I was like, oh, well, I want to be helpful. And so I, I decided to go, go in and uh, have an MRI done, unbeknownst to me how tiny those crazy tubes are. So they, they send me in. They have, you have to have your arm extended and sliding into this tube. And they're like, oh, yeah, it takes about an uh, hour and 17 minutes. I'm like, what? So, the, so I'm in there, and I'm like, all right, I can do this. I can do this. I got my arm extended with a broken bicep. And, uh, and I'm in there, and all of a sudden, that, that wall that's there, it just seemed like it kept getting closer and closer. I'm just like, I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And so I was like, I was like 12 minutes in. I'm like, all right, just focus. Do some worship. Do something. Get your mind off this. And it's got this loud beep. Has anybody else done this? And, and you're like, are you kidding me? This is a torture test. So, so you know how I responded to that? I got the heck out of there. I'm like, unless my life is on the line, I'm not doing that thing again. So I pulled myself out. I told the nurse, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not doing this anymore. She's, she's, she's like, what do you mean you're not doing it? I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm done. And, uh, and, and so, so MRI, this, this idea, and, uh, but the surgery still worked. Um, but, but here, this idea of, of being trapped 
is, is a kind of a consuming thought where if you really think about the reality that we were trapped in our sins, we were tied in, we can't move an inch in our sins, entangled in them, God chose to release us, not only trapped, but headed toward, towards eternal punishment, just to amplify that a little bit, like if that's not bad enough, being trapped in our sins, but God chose to intervene, to set us free, to release us, but then not only just release us, then the Bible says that we were not only released, but we were adopted, that we were adopted. This idea of adoption as a child of God, as a co-heir with Christ. It's no wonder that 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father, in the NIV says, has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God, and so we are. I think it'll be the first thousand years in eternal bliss before it all starts to actually sink in. Like, holy cow, like this was a big deal. God's adopted us into his, into his family. For a believer, this should consume us. This reality should reflect in an overwhelming degree of thankfulness. You know what I'm saying? Like, if that really sinks in, if that really settles into the core of a believer, that when somebody asks us, like, hey, how are you doing today? You should be like, are you kidding me? I'm doing fantastic. You know what I mean? Like, there should never be like, eh, not so well, you know, the weather and, you know, the, uh, my sports team loss. Who cares? You know, like, whoop-de-doo. Like, uh, like, the whole idea, it should consume us. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There's never a time where our trials eclipse the mercy that God has poured out on us. So as we're going into this Thanksgiving week, how's our, 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 our grateful meter? How's that doing? Are we, can we say we're like, man, we're doing great. Like our, our gratefulness is, is through the charts. But you see this, this gratefulness, this gratitude that we're called to is actually opposing everything in this world around us. You see, there, there's billions of dollars spent every year in, in marketing and advertising trying to send us with the, the message, this message that the things you have should be better. The things you have should be better, telling you not to want what you have and not to be grateful. So it's so countercultural to be a grateful person. It's so countercultural. Gratefulness is choosing to look at things differently, seeing everything as more than I deserve as a gift from God. I like this statement. Gratefulness is a life-changing decision based on reality, based on reality. When it really sinks in the reality as a Christ follower, the things that we have to be thankful for, it should change how we see everything. So this is the first side of the coin, making sure that we get the, the, grateful th the gratefulness piece in the right place. But then there's the second side that I'm going to talk about is the ripple effect, the cause and effect. That gratefulness should then, we're going to see in the text here, should then overlap into generosity. If you guys have your Bibles, if you have one that you have access to, 2 Corinthians 9.2, I want to look at this passage briefly. 2 Corinthians 9.2 points out, that our generosity directs glory to God. Our generosity directs glory to God. This is Paul explaining how generosity should work in the life of a believer. Take a look at what it says there. It says, you, referring to the church then or us now, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. 
For the ministry of this service is not only supply the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Let's pause there for a second. Let's, let's start with a, an important understanding going into this, this text here is this idea that I don't think a lot of people really grasp. This idea which Psalms 24.1 says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Or Deuteronomy 10.14, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. It's this understanding that it's all his. That it's all his. I think it's important for that to sink in as, as we think about generosity and how we uh, approach it. That it's all his and it needs to start there. But the cool thing is that God doesn't choose to keep things for himself. He chooses to distribute he, his resources to us. That's why it says there, you will be enriched in every way to be generous. And that's the, the, the cause effect that we're expected to be generous in every way. As God pours out his blessing in our life, it's then, it's, it's not for us to, the things that God gives us, the reality is his resources that he entrusts in your care are not just for you. They're not just for you. He's entrusted that, but then his expectation, as we see here in the text, is that it's for us to be then generous to others. As we give, we give to others. We bless others. We use our resources in that way. And that God uses people to spread his blessing and meet needs. I love that it says supplying the needs. It's again a cause and effect. But the bigger picture and the effect of this is when we're generous in response to his blessing in our life, when we're generous, what does it say happens? What does it say that happens? It says it will produce what? Thanksgiving to God. He gets the glory for it because it's his. And so when we're generous, when we're on the receiving end of, or the extending of end of that, there's a certain degree of like, man, thank you, God. This last month when we did the, the pastor appreciation thing, a lot of people were, were really kind, gave some different uh, gift cards to some restaurants. And I remember we've, we've already gotten to go to a few with our family. And it's, it's fun. We, we try to avoid the restaurants typically. And uh, so it's fun just seeing people's generosity and what happens with that. And you're sort of like, well, thank you, God. Thank you for that kindness. The hope is with generosity, how it works within the body of Christ is as we're generous, it, it compels us to be like, man, thanksgiving to God, thankful to him. That's what it's pointing towards in the text here. It says, uh, as, as it goes in there, is that it's, it's not just an idea, it's an expectation that a, a Christ follower, as we receive, it's then something that we're then to pass on and it's something to be as an act of thanksgiving to God. This isn't just an idea that's, that's there in the, in the New Testament. The Old Testament actually talks about it uh, as well. Sometimes we get a, a little bit of a one-sided scope of this. And this is a passage that a lot of us might be familiar with if you're, you've grown up in the church. If you guys want to flip there to Malachi 3, 8 through 10, we're going to look at. If you're Italian, Italian, it might be referred to as Malachi uh, 3. So the, the Italian prophet. And so we're going to see the second side of this generosity coin, this generosity, this idea that generosity releases God's blessing, releases God's blessing. So this idea isn't just a, a good idea. It's an expectation. Take a look at Malachi 3, Malachi 3, 8 through 10. It says this, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. 
Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Let's pause there for a second. The, a little backdrop on this. What, what's happening? What's going on here? This is God's rebuke to the nation of Israel as they've wandered from generosity. As they've gotten away from, uh, the, the, in that time, the tithe, uh, the tithe, which literally means one-tenth, the tithe. It's been a biblical standard for giving for thousands of years. It's a portion of one's earnings given back to the Lord as an act of worship. So this idea of a tithe that was, goes all the way back to Genesis, all the way back, I was reading about it even this week through Abraham started the idea as an act of worship, act of worship. And as, as uh, into the New Testament, you see Jesus, when he's dealing with the tithe, tithe in Matthew 23, 23, he didn't, he didn't point out or rebuke it. He said, you know what? It's something that we have to make sure that's done out of a grateful heart. Gratitude, there needs to be that partnership between a gratefulness and, and our giving. But this idea that they'd wandered from, he's saying, he's saying, man, th- th- you're, you're stealing from me. When you're not giving, when you're not generous, this is a big deal. This is something that's elevated to such a degree in scripture that he refers to it as robbing God. So I, I challenge us as a church, as we're, as we're thinking and wrestling through this, is come up with your, some of your own convictions on this. I've spent a, a lot of time reading even this past week to see how, what, what, is the, what does the tithe look like for the New Testament believer? But, but wrestle through it because for me, anything that refers in scripture to robbing God, if you're not doing it, it should alert us enough to be like, hey, I should probably figure out what it's saying. So is that a, is that a fair request is to wrestle through that on, on your own? For me and my family, I'm not commending something uh, to you that uh, my wife and I don't participate in. Every single uh, month, we give the for, first portion of, of, of what we, what's given to us. We give back in a tithe. In fact, so much so, in the last week, I had a conversation with uh, some elders, and I was talking about the idea of giving uh, the anything above and beyond the tithe to like outside organizations like Compassion or whatever. And I was like, well, I better double check just even in my own life, making sure that that's accurate. And so at 2.30 in the morning, the Lord woke me up and was uh, pulled out the calculator and I was crunching. Anybody else do this ever? I was crunching, uh, crunching numbers, doing the math, seeing like, wait a second, I want to make sure that I'm accurate before I stand before people and say I'm doing something. So I was crunching, crunching numbers and I was $401 short. And so last week, wrote a check, $401, making sure that, that there's not something in my house that's supposed to be in his house. Does that make sense? And so this idea of a, of a tie, that's a, it's where he started the starting point for generosity that he points out to. So he, uh, so he goes on, but what I wanted to point towards is, is God's promise to us in verse 10. He says, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not, be op- if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. It's a huge statement. Anytime you see God saying like, hey, I'm putting down the gauntlet here. I'm saying I'm putting out a test. I'm saying if, if you're faithful and you're giving, if you step out in faith with this form of generosity, if you step out, guess what? He's gonna be faithful. 
He responds to our generosity with his own generosity. It's an awesome, it's an awesome truth in scripture. You've heard it said before, like you can't outgive God. Well, that's pretty accurate. And it's not because God's lacking where he's just like, you know, I'm kind of running low on rent this month. Like, no, it's not it. It's about us and our heart. Because the truth is with resources, we can have a pretty close grip on them if we're not careful. And what he's called us to is to hold them appropriately with an open hand rather than a closed fist, an open hand. That's the idea of recognizing that it all belongs to him. I love the quote that says this, 90% with you and God is more than 100% with you on your own. 90% 90% with you and God is more than, than 100% with you on your own. This has been a part of Adrian and I's life ever since the day we first got married. When, when we first got married, I mentioned Adrian being Canadian. When we first got married, she was here on a work visa through her grandfather. And when, uh, when we first got, got, got married, it changed her status with her immigration. And we got this notice in the mail that because of that changed status, she was no longer allowed to earn an income. And so we're like, wait a second, what's going on here? At the time, we were interns at, at Willow Creek Community Church, and we were raising our own support. So kind of like missionaries, we have like a monthly amount come in, and you're just like, we're just like, already we're just like, how is this going to work? How do we make ends meet here? But one of the things that came up was the conversation about our, our commitment to giving and what God had, had worked and stirred in our own hearts about giving and, and uh, the idea of a tithe. And we're just like, you know what, we're not, we're not going to budge on that. We're not going to budge on that. And it was so fun to see this test come to fruition. God said, you know what? If you're faithful in this, I'm going to be faithful to you. And so we saw in so many crazy ways during that season just how God provided. And where you're just like, man, what happens when your monthly bills exceed your, your monthly income? Well, God pours out his blessing and he provided I want to be clear here because I think this can also be an abused concept where people are like, all right, if I bring, if I bring this dollar amount, it's like, it's like a, like rolling the the lottery kind of a thing where I'm going to bring 20 bucks and God's going to give me 50. It's going to be perfect. You know what I mean? But here's the truth is there's a misunderstanding in scripture, I believe, about what God's blessings look like. When scripture refers to blessing, it's not always referring to financial blessings. In fact, otherwise, how could Luke 6.20 say, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Or verse 22, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Wealth can be a blessing, but don't always equate it as one. Honestly, if I could choose how God would bless me, I wouldn't choose finances. When you start to see what his repertoire of, of blessings can be, you know what I mean? Like there's so many things like bless, sometimes resources, anybody else attest to this? Sometimes resources can be like more responsibility than you even want. You know what I mean? You're like, I don't want more because then I'm responsible and accountable for more. But some of the ways that God blesses might not be financial. I was just jotting down a list here. How about this one? How about, how about answered prayer? Something that you've been bringing to the Lord for the longest time and answered prayer. How about wisdom or favor with your peers? How about, love, how about a loved one finally coming to Christ? How about a, a prodigal son or daughter being restored in relationship? Do you care about the money then? Like how much, do you, how much is that a big deal? How about, rest, how about this? How about healing in my marriage or in my body physically? When, you're, when your health is failing, how much are you concerned about resources? How about joy and contentment with less? 
Some of the things that God can bless us with will make us say like, man, I don't even want the financial deal. I want some of the other stuff. You feel gypped if you get it otherwise. This idea of, 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 of wealth. So, so that's one of the mistaught pieces of this is what God's blessing looks like. I love it when uh, you find uh, on Christmas morning somebody that, that really knows you really well, that just has known you for a lot of years. You're always very interested to see what that person buys you. Have you ever noticed that? Just like you're excited. The, the person that just got to know you recently, you're like, oh, that's cool. But let's see what this person that, that, that really loves you and cares you and knows you intimately, let, let's see what they're going to get for you. you. You know why that is? is because when somebody knows you, the intricacies of how you're wired up, your tastes and your preferences, you're like, hey, they might actually get it right. You know what I mean? Like they might actually, uh, my wife and I struggle with that every year though. But, but this, this, this idea of God with this whole giving piece is trusting when we step out in generosity, when we step out in faith, because that's what it is. It's one thing to know this stuff. It's a whole other thing to actually step out and do it. But when we step out, it's an act of trust saying that the God of the universe that knows me better than I know myself, he knows how to bless me. He knows how, what's, what's going to be important to me. He, and I don't know, I'd rather have him determine that than me determine that. My, my determination might be way off base. And so understanding this, this partnership is a beautiful thing. And I would hate going into this Christmas season and into Thanksgiving, that we missed out on this idea that, that generosity has to be driven by thankfulness. Otherwise, it leads to bitterness. And so this, this generosity, it should be driven because, man, God's done so much in my life. He's, he's, he's poured out the blessings on my life. I want that to compel my giving and then my generosity. And so that's my admonition for you all this morning and my hope and prayer is that you take it as that as, a, as an act of uh, of just like a challenge but also an encouragement that man as we rush into that these all these asks and coming from lots of different directions making sure that our generosity is driven by our thankfulness let me pray for us God I thank you for your word and how it speaks directly to us and sometimes it's a hard pill to swallow but God, you give us the grace and the mercy and the ability to respond to it appropriately. God, we recognize our dependence on you even as we sang before we started this message, God. We're desperate for you. God, I pray that you do a work on us with, with our gratitude levels. I pray that you'd do a work on us with the, the release of, of resources, God, that we wouldn't hold on to things too tightly. We'd open them appropriately with an open hand, God, we recognize we need you for that, God. God, we're thankful for this chance to be together and to celebrate your faithfulness in our life. God, I pray that this week going into Thanksgiving and all the festivities, God, that there will be times that we are enamored with your greatness because getting to know you and know you intimately only can lead to a heart of gratitude. And we thank you for that. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Pray you guys have a wonderful week in the Lord and that you do see his new mercies every single day. If there's a way that we can be praying for you this morning, feel free to stop by the front here before you go. God bless you.